Thanks, Nick. Well, uh, my name is Ian. I'm one of the leaders at the church here, and it's my privilege to uh, speak to you a little bit about that passage we've just heard from. And I uh, do apologise. I have celebrated Christmas in the traditional way of getting a slight cough and cold. And so do forgive me if I'm a bit sort of... Well, most of you know I've got a high squeaky voice anyway, right? So I'm going to have a slightly higher and slightly squeakier voice. Sorry about that. That's how it goes. Um, well, we are at the end of uh, this series. Uh, you can see there on the screen more than a fairy tale. Uh, this story of the birth of Jesus that some folks in our society may well think is a, a myth of some kind or, or indeed a fairy tale. And we've been making the case uh, during December that this story is actually good, that it is true, and it is beautiful. And so today we're going to think about those words that so many fairy tales, probably all fairy tales, finish with, and they all lived happily ever after. Now, I don't know what your TV schedule was like over the festive season, whether you watched a lot of TV or not, but uh, Shrek was on. I always liked Shrek, the Shrek cartoons. They make me laugh a lot. Uh, I think they're funny. I also think they're very clever at um, poking fun at fairy tales and sort of debunking fairy tales a little bit. And there's that scene, you may remember it in Shrek 2, where Shrek, in the middle of the night, finds uh, Fiona's childhood diary uh, and, and opens it up. Uh, great mistake. And, and he starts reading what the maybe early teens or, or whatever Fiona had written down and gets to the bit where it says, uh, Mum has told me that uh, her, my charming Prince Charming, charming Prince Charming, will we'll rescue me and we will all live happily ever after. And then he turns over the page and he says, Mrs. Fiona Charming. And he turns over another page and he says, Mrs. Fiona Charming. And he turns over another page and he says, Mrs. Fiona Charming. Just, just turning them all over. Um, it was clear that Fiona was obsessed as a child with her happily ever after. I don't know, maybe we were too when we were younger. Perhaps we still wonder for a moment, do we have a happy ever after? Perhaps we are bitter that we never got the happy ever after that we were expecting or that we thought we deserved. <clears throat> well, how about this tale of Christmas? We've heard that it's true and good and beautiful, but does it have a happy ever after? Well, let's look at today. Let's look at this passage in uh, Luke chapter 2. If you're not familiar with the, the Bible, when we say Luke chapter 2, 2 means the big, the big numbers in the Bible. When we say verses, we mean the small numbers that are in the Bible. And as Nick was reading us there from verse 25, we can see not a kid thinking about, like Fiona, Princess Fiona thinking about her happy ever after, but two older folks, Simeon and Anna. I'm going to think about three things, really. You can see them there in your, in your program. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to take notes. You'll find that, you'll find that helpful. Uh, thinking about, first of all, the two witnesses. Think about these two witnesses, uh, Anna and Simeon. And thinking about, is it really happy ever after? Do we going to get a happy ever after? And then thinking about what Simeon was waiting for. You can see there in verse uh, 25, they've been waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
Just think about for a few minutes about that word, consolation of Israel means. Anyway, first of all, these two witnesses. Look back with me there into Luke. Uh, We can see this scene is unfolding in the temple in Jerusalem for the Jews. At this time, that was the holiest uh, place in the world, the very center of their faith. And Mary and Joseph are doing what they've been told to do in the law. Uh, They've been told that they, on the eighth day, should go to the temple here and that they should make some sacrifices and they should circumcise Jesus, their baby. You can read about that in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament if you want to see what all that's about. Um, so this young family has turned up. We heard, we heard that Mary, we heard in December earlier that how Mary may have only been 14 years old when she had Jesus. And uh, they meet this guy called Simeon. And uh, the Bible tells us he's righteous and devout. So we can say that here's a guy who follows the law as it was set out for the Jews of this time. Uh, not only in what he does, but so in his heart. I mean, this is a righteous guy. This is a good guy. In fact, it says the Holy Spirit is on him. And in fact, the Holy Spirit is revealed. He won't die till he sees the Messiah. Uh, now, the Messiah is a, is a word that the, the, the Jews of this time would have been familiar with. Uh, it means saviour. It means chosen one. But in this case, it means a very specific saviour, a very specific chosen one. It means someone who the prophets of Israel have been speaking about for over a thousand years. This is the saviour, the final saviour, the chosen one of God, the heaven's very champion. And he's been promised to come and save his people. And that's who Simeon has been waiting for. Um, The implication is he's an older guy and he's been led by the Holy Spirit and straight away he recognises Jesus for what he is. It's just a little baby, but straight away Simeon recognises that this is the Messiah, this is the Saviour. And notice it's the Holy Spirit who's done a couple of things here. The Holy Spirit has led him there and the Holy Spirit has revealed it to him. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the things of God. He's working in the background, but just in the same way as Jesus is. He's all about fulfilling the Father's will. Uh, let's just, while we're doing the biographical details, just jump down to uh, verse 36. We can see there we've got Anna is the other witness. Uh, Uh, Again, I think it would be fair to call her devout and righteous. She's described as never leaving the temple. She's worshipping God. She's fasting. She's praying. She's also a senior citizen. I say senior citizen like entitled her to some kind of bus pass or something. They didn't have bus passes then, but she's an older older lady. You know what I mean? Um, And we get some biography about her. Luke tells us that she is a prophet. That is someone who's... Part of her role is to tell people what God has said. And we know that she's been married. We know her, her, her heritage. We know that she's now a widow. Now, in Jewish law, it takes two witnesses to establish the truth of something. And so these are the two witnesses who've been put here by God to witness to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the promised saviour. That's what they're there for. That's what they have 
turned up for on this day when Jesus is eight days old. Now, now you know that we've had quite a number of you may you may know if you if you're not a visitor here we've had quite a number of babies arrive recently in the church, and I might be being slightly rude about our babies. I don't know, but they to me they always look a little bit like Winston Churchill. Is that me? I don't know. They always have a slight air of Winston Churchill about them. Um, now, Simeon does not, we, well, he wouldn't know whether Jesus looked like Winston Churchill because he hadn't seen Winston Churchill. But Simeon straight away recognizes this is the Messiah. This is the chosen one. This is the Savior of Israel. And straight away, he breaks out in praise. Here is the one God has promised to Simeon. Here is the one God has promised to Israel. Everyone's been waiting, and here he is. There's a singing right there. He's holding and looking love in the face when he's holding the baby. You know, he's holding in his arms God with us. And the faithfulness of God to his people has been proved once again. And it's right there in his arms. Of course he breaks out into praise. Of course he's... What else could you do? Look there in verse 29. We can see what... We can see how Simeon just pours out this praise. Sovereign Lord, he says. That's a God who is in control, who arranges things in accordance with his will. He's just seen that. It's there in his arms. He refers to himself as a servant. The original language would almost say he's almost a slave, one who's been waiting in accordance with God's will. He says, can now die in peace, basically. God, you've done what you've said you're going to do. I am now content. He says, I have seen, uh, my eyes have seen your salvation. What he means is really the means of his salvation. He's holding in his arms the means of his own salvation. This little baby is how God is going to save a people for himself. Jesus will grow into a man who will die to save God's people. Verse 32, the, 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 this idea of the fact that Jesus is a revelation. A revelation means just to be shown something. And he's being revealed not only to the Jews of the time, which is, which is exciting enough, for, for, particularly for Simeon and Anna as, as Jews, but also to the Gentiles, the people who are not Jews as well. And Simeon says, the glory of your people Israel. Jesus is the very the very best that God has to offer. So Simeon pulls out, pulls out this praise. And Mary and Joseph, verse 33, marvel. That's what's been said, said about him. Why did they marvel? Well, well, Simeon has just confirmed all the things that the angels said to the shepherds and the shepherds have said to Mary and Joseph, but he's never met them. He's never met the guy. You know, they've heard this from, from the, the angels when the angel Gabriel came to them. And then when the angels came to the shepherds and the shepherds came to see them in Bethlehem. And this guy, Simeon, they've never met before, has just confirmed all that stuff. Not only has he confirmed it all, but he's emphasized there in verse 32 <clears throat> that uh, Jesus is saving not only God's people, the Israelites, but also the Gentiles. And that's something that the Jews at the time had, had kind of forgotten about. 
They got pretty focused on how the Messiah needed to come and save them because they were occupied by the Romans and things weren't going well. And Simeon had said, yeah, he's coming, he's coming to save you, but he's also coming to save the Gentiles as well. And so they are staggered. They marvel. What an incredible message to hear. And, and then Simeon goes on then and blesses the parents. And when he, when he says he blesses them, I, I want to argue that he's really giving them some insight and some advice. We would, we could, you might call that discipling. And I think would sustain her over the years ahead. Remember, it's Mary who's going to walk with Jesus in his ministry. 30 years later, she's going to be the parent who is walking at the side of Jesus for three years and will ultimately have to witness her son being crucified. Joseph, as far as we know, has died by that point. And so, and so Simeon talks to Mary about, about what's going to come up. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Some of the Jews will believe in Jesus, but not straight away. They're going to hear from him, he's going to do, do miracles for them, and they will reject him, ultimately reject him at the cross, at the crucifixion. Even those followers of him will, will scatter and leave, so that when Jesus dies, truly he is dying without any of those people around him. So, so many in Israel will fall, but will rise. So it is, it is uh, those Jewish people who will form the first church. Yes, they will, all will have fled away from Jesus, and yet they will rise, they will come to faith in him, and they will, will make this early church that we read about in the book of Acts in the New Testament. <coughs> But Simeon also tells Mary of others. A sign to be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. He's telling Mary that some of the Jews will not believe in Jesus, will never believe in Jesus. He's preparing Mary for the opposition that her son is going to experience. One way the opposition he still experiences today. And finally, Simeon disciples Mary by warning her of the pain that is to come. Ultimately, the pain of watching her own son die. And the sword will pierce your own soul too. We don't know how much of this was a help to to Mary in her later trials, but I think that if she's remembered this almost 60 years after this date and told it to Luke, who wrote this down, I think, it must, I think it's safe to say it must have provided her some comfort. It must have been significant to her in some way, in, in some encouragement, if she was to, to recall this and pass this on to Luke. Well, look there with me in verse 38. Uh, coming up to them at that very moment, straight away, Simeon has just, has just uh, declared who this is. Straight away, Anna joins in and confirms that witness. Like him, she's praising God for the arrival of Jesus, this Messiah, this Saviour, God. And you can see that that she uh, gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all 
who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem, to the saving of Jerusalem. So these two witnesses have confirmed this is who Jesus is. Saviour, Messiah and Lord. Exactly what the angels told the shepherd. Now, we know Anna is an older lady and we think Simeon is older, although his age isn't particularly mentioned there. Just want to point out a couple of things to us based on based around that thought. We can see that the character of these two people is really important. If they're going to be witnesses to Jesus, to being the saviour, their character is really important. They need credibility. And so both of them are described here in, in various ways as being righteous. Right before God. Too often it is easier for older folks to believe that there is little for them to do, either for God or in the church. Simeon, as old as he might be, still has had a position to pre- prepare Mary for the struggles that are coming later in life. He still had worship that he poured out spontaneously to God. Anna, even at her age, still has the work of an evangelist to do, to tell others about this fabulous news. If you are here and you are an older person, never sit back and say, God does not have anything for me to do because I am older. Yes, he does. Look to the example of Simeon. Look to the example of Anna. Their blessing, okay, their blessing is not in physical exertion. We're not expecting that. You can call it, let's call it spiritual disciplines. If you are still here, you have work to do for the Lord. Worship, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, let the young people do the heavy physical lifting. That's what they're there for. That's okay. God has given you this work to do. Be about it. Young people, that has implications for you. Maybe I should say that has implications for us. Implications for you. Um, Do the heavy lifting. Okay, just very easily. Yeah, do the physical stuff. But far more than that, recognize that you have a priceless resource in the older folks in our church because they have lived through the season of life you're living through now. They've learned many godly lessons, often the hard way. Do you want to learn the lessons the same hard way? Or do you want to learn it from them so you don't have to learn it the hard way? Trust me, it is easier to listen to the Bible-based wisdom and avoid those same errors. They've prayed more prayers. They've seen more of those prayers answered. They've probably read more of the Bible than you have. They've probably heard the Bible opened for them more often than you have. They've cried more tears. They've mourned more. They've laughed more. They've kicked more butt than you have. And they've generally been there and done it and bought more t-shirts than you actually even own now. And they've been put in this church with you. Pick their brains. Ask them to be your mentors. Learn from them. Share this, begin to share that Bible-based wisdom so they can pray for you, so they can pray with you, so they can laugh with you, cry with you, kick butt with you, mentor you. We ignore them at our peril. 
I've, I've got a number of regrets in life. One of them that is, as a younger man, I did not pay attention to the older saints in the church. I did not confide in them. I did not seek the wisdom that they could show me from the Bible. <coughs> if I had, I would have saved myself a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of anguish. One of the first guys I worked with, he wasn't a Christian, but I remember him well, was called Ron Baker. Ron said to me, I wish I was your age, but knew what I know now. And I thought, what a weird, sad thing to say. That, I mean, that's just like bizarre. I mean, you know. And now I wish I could go back and shake his hand and say, Ron, you are bang on the money there. He was spot on. We need to hang out with people who are not our own age, who are not like us when we're downstairs for the coffee, if we have people around midweek. We need to quickly move past questions about how are the grandchildren, how are schools, how are exams, how are the holidays, and start mining those resources. What, what prayers from when you were young have you seen answered? What are your hopes for the church? How do you fight sin? How can I teach my children to love God the way you do? When did you first come to faith? How have you dealt with the disappointments in life? How can I love my spouse more? What should I read next in the Bible? Pray for me. How can I pray for you? We are crazy if we not do this. Don't do this. And old folks, you need to be open and honest with the answers. Not just say, ooh, aren't you lovely? But actually give them something to work with. So, okay. So there are two witnesses uh, and some thoughts about Simeon and Anna. Let's think about the idea about, is there a happy ever after? <coughs> ben and Luke have made the, the case and made it well that the, the Christmas story is true and good and beautiful. Does it have a happily ever after? Well, at this point, newsflash, we're not actually at ever after yet. But we're still in the story. Did you realize this? Jesus has told us the end of the story. It's written down at the end of the book of Revelation. But we haven't gone there yet. We're still in the story. Jesus tells us the end of the story. Jesus comes back a second time. When he comes back, he judges the living and the dead. That is the real end of the story. Well, even then, I suppose it's not the end of the story because after that, it goes on for eternity, for literally ever after. But the Bible tells us Jesus comes back and judges the living and the dead. And those who have believed in him, who have generally tried their best to, to follow him, they, they are saved. Not that we've earned it. All of us have broken God's good desires for our lives and fallen short of the standards he's set us. We try to do, as Nick was saying, we try to do things our own way. We've ignored God or even deliberately gone against him. <coughs> We're back to the part of the Christmas story where Jesus is born. Jesus is born to die for us for that very reason. God, Jesus fulfills all the things that Simeon and Anna and the angels say about him because he chooses to die in our place, to satisfy God's anger over this rule-breaking. Jesus dies and then rises from the dead because he is God. He is the Messiah. He is our Savior. 
And when someone believes that, when someone tries to live like that is true, then Jesus says to them at the final judgment something like, it's okay. I've served the penalty that you owed for all that stuff. In fact, it is a happy ending for you because you are totally clean, as if you'd lived the perfect life I lived. In fact, it's so good you can live with me forever. Can you imagine hearing that from the lips of Jesus for yourself? For those people, although this life undoubtedly will have had its struggles, has been weary and sad and difficult because life is, this is the age of gold that we sang about at the beginning in the first song. This is when the new earth returns the song that the angels sang. For them indeed there is happy ever after. But it's not happy ever after for everyone. Those who, as as Simeon has said, have opposed Jesus, those who have not believed in him, for them there is torment ever after. There is no happy end to the Christmas tale for those who do not believe in Jesus. Don't let that be you. Do not let that be you. Even as kids, didn't you even just hope that the tales were true, that there would be a happy ever after? Even now, isn't there not a part of you that has not become weary, has not become sad, that still wants to live happily ever after? Listen again to what Simeon and Anna have said. Listen again about who they've said Jesus is. Listen to what the angels told the shepherds that this is. There is good news of great joy for all people. That can be the end of your tale if you trust in this baby Jesus. If you turn your life to follow him. (coughs) For you there can be a happy ever after. Do not ignore that. Do not ignore that. But we struggle. We continue to struggle in our lives, do we not? We do. Even though when we put our trust in Jesus, our our eternal life actually starts at that moment when we are are saved. If you've been saved, I don't know if you realize that, you've already started your eternal life. So if if you put your trust in Jesus, you're already living your eternal life now. You've already started. And yet it is not happy ever after right now, we know life is still hard. Simeon knew that, and you can see that. Go back to verse 25. He's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. Let's think about that. That's our third point, the consolation of Israel. So just while I have a cough, just turn to page 724 for me, uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. (coughs) Man. This is the passage that that scholars think that Simeon was thinking about, that that he'd been waiting for. You can see there in the Bible it's headed up comfort for God's people. Comfort will be another word for consolation. This passage certainly would have been well known to the Jews. It describes Jesus 
on, on many, in many places. Many of the verses directly are talking about Jesus. Um, however, there is also here comfort for Jesus' people. Comfort for people now. It was comforting for Simeon. He says it's what he'd been waiting for. It was comforting for Anna. We trust it was comforting for Mary and the trials that she would have to enjoy. Endure. Look with me there in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. There is comfort in the Bible. There is comfort in the word of God. Uh, Verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. There is hope in the word of God. Verse 10, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. There is authority here. This is a sovereign God who rules with authority, authority that is used rightly, that is used well. Verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. There is gentleness here. There is compassion here. There is care here for God's people. (coughs) Verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or the breadth of his hand marked out the heavens who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance here is a creator here is a creator with purpose and design verse 14 who did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way Who is it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? There is unmatched wisdom here. Turn over the page for me to verse 22. Verse 22, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. There is glory here. Here is a God enthroned. Verse 28, he will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. There are resources here for us of energy and wisdom in this God. Finally, verse 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. All this is the consolation of Israel comfort for God's people. This is comfort and hope and encouragement that comes from this baby who was born in Bethlehem. Hope for his people, even his people today here in Rotherham. If you have never trusted in Jesus, then be clear that all this is available to you in the word of God. If you turn from your sins and follow Jesus. (coughs) And so we can see, I hope, I hope you've, you've been able to see that there is a happy, ever after, a happy ever after ending to come in the future. It is not a fairy tale, but it is abundant, abundant happiness 
and it is forever. And in our lives right now, as much as we struggle, we can, like Simeon and Anna, find comfort in the resources that we can lean on now through the word of God, through the same Holy Spirit that was on Simeon, through God's people around us, through the older saints in our church who love to invest in the lives of each other. We can experience this comfort even now. We can, look, we can put hope in this happy ending even now. So put your trust in Jesus. Who doesn't want to, when the tale is being told at its end, say, yes, I am living happily ever after? Let's pray together.